Introducing The Sound of Design with Mark and Dan, the podcast that takes you on an exhilarating journey through the captivating realm of custom technology. Join us as we unveil the sensational tales of Nashville's very own dynamic duo of AV designers. Don't miss out on this thrilling auditory expedition into the mesmerizing world of custom technology. Well, welcome to The Sound of Design with Mark and Dan. That was very well done, sir. Yes, it was. It was fantastic. All right. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, today we are going to talk about installed is not the same as connected. And I'm using the title of the episode because that is a real phrase that we had to talk to certain folks about when we get into the issue of what custom installation actually is. And so I just want to begin by saying that not all things are the same. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Mark, could you tell me a little bit about custom installation and some of the things that separate a custom installer from, say, a regular installer? Just high level. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll try to keep it as high level and as uh, non uh, elitist. Is that a good <laughs> word for it? As I can. Um, so, like we said before, Dan and I have been in the industry for quite a long time, and early on in my career, we would utilize a uh, an install staff that you know did did good work, and I was I was happy with a lot of the work they did. But when it came to some of the the larger, more you know semi complex projects there would always be some roadblocks and, and things along those lines. You know, fast forward to 2015, that's when I was first really experienced what true custom installation was. And the best way I could kind of define that would be an install or a connection service is just a, hey, I bought a TV box and I want that installed on my wall and connected. That's, you know, that's your connection type of installation. Custom install is going to be personalized for your experience. So I want this television mounted 10 inches off of the mantle. We're going to run these two cables through the conduit to the equipment location. We're going to hook up these speakers. We're going to hook up this type of amplification. And it's all going to be operated off of this remote that we're going to program in and utilize this. And and as you can tell, I've kind of gotten pretty descriptive of, of what that is. And that's ultimately what custom installation is. It is designed to be customized to your space. Yep. And I I like the fact that you said that it is personalized because the biggest difference, and I'm going to say it this way, which is not fair to some folks in one sense, but it's the difference between generic and uh, specific. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the way that I would describe the, the, the differences. I have had conversations with plenty of customers where they go, Hey man, how much do you charge to mount a television? And I, you know, spit out a number and they go, Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Why do you do that? And when I first was introduced to the, to the business, I had a hard time, quite honestly, understanding Mm -hmm. what was going on until we started to really break it down by tasks. And so I said, all right, well, let's let's do a quick comparison. Let's say you get your neighbor or your brother-in-law or somebody and you throw them a six-pack of beers and they come over and they help you mount a television, right? 
that could be done. I get that. When you do a custom installation, however, we're talking about going out and looking first. So there's the first visit. That's anywhere between an hour to two hours worth of time for a designer to come out and look at the space first before any work is done and map out the installation. Really look through all the parts, all the pieces, everything that needs to be there. And then you start to realize like, we need a power outlet moved. We're gonna need HDMI cables run through the wall. We're gonna need ethernet run. We're gonna have to run a second ethernet. We're gonna have to do all these other things. And so you start adding up the amount of time that it needs to be done. And it's not just a TV install anymore. Now it's a TV install and it's installation of wires and it's hooking up a soundbar. It's making sure that it's you know accurate to within an inch of where the customer wants it to be. It's doing the electrical. It's all of those things. And that's gonna take probably two or three hours. And the guy that you threw a six pack to is not going to do any of those things, <laughs> right? And if you're a decent person, you're not going to ask him to do any of those things. And you don't want to put him in that spot because you know he can't do them, right? And that's okay. Again, it's mm -hmm. not his fault. But there is a difference <laughs> between what he's going to do and what custom installer is going to do. And so... What are some of the biggest considerations as we kind of talk through from an install specific uh, perspective? What's yeah. or, or, what are some of the first things that we have to talk about and look for, uh, regardless of the install? Back in the, in those early days, um, it was a question that I would ask a lot before I would was a designer and I would go out to the home. And then even when you, when I started going out to the home, is where's the power locator, right? Because you know, unfortunately, most things don't run on hopes and dreams. They need electricity. <laughs> so uh, we need an electrical outlet. Prior to our custom install days, it really wasn't something that we could do. We'd have to get a third party or something along those lines. But now when you, most of your custom integrators and installers can help you with that in at least relocating an existing outlet to the proper location. On top of that, making sure that it's the proper power and amperage, right? Yep. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it. Because mm -hmm. if you didn't, I was going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you don't want to plug, you know, 60 amps worth of amplifiers into a 20 amp circuit and then wonder why they shut off whenever that big moment comes in the movie because you ain't got enough power. You know, having the right team there is uh, important to do that. I was going to bring up is we had an installation that was done in a state right next to us and I get a phone call. It wasn't my job. It was someone else's job at mm -hmm. 630 at night. And there's an install team there and a customer and they're going, hey, man, every single time we turn this receiver up, it shuts down. It just turns off. Like as soon as we hit this certain point, it's just it's over. And we're like, what are we doing wrong? And so we go through all the usual stuff, you know, check your connections. And is there any wires touching? And we go through all the settings and we're looking at all this other kind of stuff. And it turns out, actually, the installation the was on the same circuit as some of the appliances and so he had all of these other <laughs> high draw <laughs> appliances on the same circuit and of course every time that amplifier draws all that extra current you're gonna see that it's gonna trip a breaker so it, it does make a big difference and then when it comes to audiophile levels of equipment especially power amplifiers and this is probably the biggest culprit, which is why I think we're hammering it home a little bit. Sometimes you need a dedicated 20 amp circuit to make sure that you have enough power 
to run those amps. Because if you don't, same kind of a thing. You're going to turn it up and mm-hmm. the gear is going to freak out and it's going to say, nope, sorry, can't do that. <laughs> A big a big thing for for me lately has been uh, wall mounts, man. Like traditionally, you've got your low profile, you know, fixed position wall mounts, typically reserved for OLEDs. In my opinion, really, if you're going to do any other type of TV, unless you're just not connecting anything to it, you still need a recessed power outlet. But really, OLEDs are really the only ones that I think it should be reserved for. Uh, you've got your tilting slash advanced tilt mounts, which advanced tilt just tilts, but comes out a little bit to let you get back behind it. And then you have your full motion, which used to be kind of the the top tier, and that's the ones that can you know, come off from the wall two to three feet in some cases, depending on what you want. But honestly, the one that we've been doing a lot more of over the past really two or three years has been uh, the mantle mount. Yep. Because uh, every house here in Tennessee has a fireplace, and every fireplace mantle is 10 feet in the air. And the TV is mounting 10 inches above that. So they want the TV a little bit lower when they want to watch it. So the mantle mount, it's honestly been a great addition to our assortment over the past couple of years. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a mount that mounts above your fireplace mantle, just like a normal mount would. But it's got this little handle at the bottom of it. And you can reach up there with one hand. And actually, one of my clients, they're not tall enough to reach it. So they've got this little, like, uh, you know, the, the claw thing that you... Yep. squeeze on one end and it grabs it. It's not heavy. It's actually, it's got a piston in it that allows it to, to move down and it drops it down. I would say probably foot and a half, two feet below the mantle, pretty close to that, depending on the size of TV, I guess is, is where that's going to be dependent. It takes a lot of preparation. That mount cannot just be thrown up on any fireplace because of the way it mounts compared to others. Uh, the other ones I mentioned before typically have wider multiple stud placements where you can hit two to three studs and width. The mantle mount typically is a little bit more of a narrow mount and and needs to be centered. There's not really any sliding it left or right. You've got to kind of have it in the right spot. So if it comes to electrical being in the way or your flex conduit, like we've got to have somebody be able to move that. And your more basic install staff may not be able to do that. Well, and I think that you've brought up a really interesting idea you said it briefly at almost passing, which is that if it's an OLED, those are the only ones that should be those low profiles. And I think the reasoning, and correct me if I'm wrong, is because the off-axis viewing is great on those televisions, right? You mm-hmm. can see an OLED straight on. You can see it off to the side. The color doesn't shift. It's just like a cell phone, for example. Every single angle is going to look great. If you have a traditional LCD style television and you get off to the side especially the edgelet ones it's going to start to go gray on you like you're not Mm going to be able to see and everybody knows this intuitively if you've ever worked on a laptop that isn't the nicest laptop of all time you have to adjust the angle of the screen well why are you adjusting that angle well because you can't see it because you're (laughs) off axis (laughs) so you need to line it up Right. And OLEDs don't do that. That's one of the reasons why they're so fantastic. And so it does matter what type of television or what type of technology you're going to use, because that practical consideration needs to get taken into account. And then the installers have the ability to do that work the right way. And so to this point, if you need a recessed outlet and a very slim, very low profile wall mount, then there's not any tolerance. 
So you can't also be planning to put a cable box behind there. You can't also be planning to put an Apple TV back there. <laughs> you can't also be plan right? And it seems silly, but they're really practical types of considerations. If you do the mantle mount, guess what? Probably not going to have something attached to the back of it. But you have to know ahead of time what that plane is is supposed to be. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if you've seen the, the newest mantle mount. It's the top of their assortment. But it is a powered version of the, the pull yep. down. So I don't know if you've seen how it mounts, but it actually recesses into the wall above your fireplace. Yep. Uh, so if you've got stone or brick or anything like that, it ain't going up there. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could. It would just hang off the wall about, you know, four inches and then you get to the TV. But, yeah. uh, you know, just Let's from a consideration that. standpoint. Yep. 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 Yeah. That's awesome. Tell me, Mark, what else? From a power perspective, uh, should we probably uh, throw out there? Because I feel like if we get the outlet in the right place and we understand different types of wall mounts, let's say you have a, a TV that goes up in a corner, so you're going to use mm -hmm. one of those full motion, extends off the wall kind of amounts so you can position the TV correctly. What else do you have to think about uh, to make sure that you've got uh, everything you need for it? A surge protector is really important. Uh, and it's something that you just don't see a lot of people using. They'll buy this really nice surge protector for their equipment or line, you know, something that does line filtration and things like that. But then their TV's up on the wall and there's nothing, right? right. Uh, so, <laughs> um, again, from an install perspective, where do we put that? And, you know, what does it do? And what I mean by that is one thing that I really pride our team here on, and, and it's something that for our listeners, it's probably important for you to look into is, what type of support are they going to offer you past the install? And a lot of times we will install IP or network controlled search protection. So what does that do? Like we'll plan out where that's going to be installed. It gives you the protection that you're looking for, but it also gives us or our install team the ability to support you should there be an issue with your installation in a few days, months, weeks, whatever it is. And I think that's really important. I can't say enough how much that's saved from even a recommendation from them. Maybe I forgot it. They're going to come back to me and say, hey, Mark, you missed this. Let, let's get that on order and we can get it out. If you can get it here before we finish the install at the end of the week, we'll go ahead and get that or we'll set up a time to come back out. But, you know, they're, they're really kind of client focused because we want you to have the best experience possible, both, you know, during and after. Obviously, when we finish, we want it to work. And having that IP controlled search protector gives us the ability to power cycle or do things remotely rather than having to roll a truck out there. You have to stay home from work or come home on lunch or something like that, which I think is, is a big deal. Well, I was going to say you've hit the nail on the head is you don't have to roll a truck and you can do something remotely to bring a system back up online. One of the biggest times that this has saved my bacon, we did a job down in uh, Alabama which is about four and a half hours away from us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lake house client has a beautiful spot and we did IP uh, controllable uh, search protection. And the whole idea was that we wanted to make sure that if there was ever an issue, we could do the unplug replug of the system without having to physically get behind the racks in order to do this. And the reason is, that they were installed in a very tight area by the time mm -hmm. we put them all together. So 
it's not the kind of thing where you could just reach back there or you know you move a you know a tv stand or something along those lines no this is a pain in the butt <laughs> to be quite honest <laughs> uh and so having everything connected to an ip controlled line conditioner meant that not only were we getting surge protection right so power fluctuations lightning strikes things along those lines but you're also getting the ability to turn that thing on and off. So I remember getting a phone call a weekend before they went down and they said, would you do us a favor and just power cycle that system for us? We want to make sure that everything's working the way that it's supposed mm -hmm. to before mm -hmm. we go. Um, and you can do things like set schedules. Uh, I have some clients that uh, have multiple homes and they're not always uh, where they are able to uh, monitor the system themselves. Right. And so this gives us that ability to set a schedule. And so it's like every, you know, two weeks we have a power cycle programmed for the rack system that runs the house. So we know it's always ready to go. Everything is sequenced. And so this outlet goes and then that outlet goes and then that outlet goes and that. And so the router gets reset and the access points get reset and the receiver gets reset and the distributed audio gets reset and and everything in its sequence. Right. So it gives you the ability to support the client correctly. They don't ever have to think about it because they don't want to think about it. And I don't want to think about it. <laughs> and you don't want to think about it. Definitely not, especially when it's big game night or something like that. And you've got people over at your house and your clients blowing up your phone. Something isn't turning on or something along those lines. Having the ability to remotely support that is super important. I, I don't want to downplay it, but I mean, there's this idea of a TV emergency that we had... <laughs> <laughs> and I know it sounds silly, but you know, sometimes you get phone calls from folks and you're going, okay, you know, Saturday at nine o'clock. And it's like, I need someone here in an hour. It's like, man, we're not plumbers. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like we'll, we'll see you Monday. It's okay. We all probably have one of those stories. So it's uh long story short. If you put an IP controllable power supply, then guess what? You can unplug it and plug it back in because we installed it the right way and it's going to work the way it's supposed to. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about wire runs and the different things that have to be taken into consideration uh, when you have to run wire. I think you and I could probably talk till we're blue in the face about this subject because <laughs> again, back in the day, a wire run was, Hey, we're going to be in this beautiful open attic space you're bringing it up the wall and into the attic we're going to have an in-ceiling speaker installed right there next to it and it's really clean and neat you think oh that's easy you know that's really easy and and wire runs probably one of the most difficult things to do as an installer it, just recently I mean, we're actually starting to finish this project right now but uh, we had to come out and retro some wire in a pre-wire that we did but it was the drywall was up and something had happened and we had to redo it i'm going to tell you like these these guys that we work with perform magic somehow to run these wires. Yep. Um, one of the things that I learned at a very early uh, time in the custom side is fire breaks. You familiar with fire breaks? I am painfully aware of fire breaks, yes. Mark. Why don't you yes. tell us what fire breaks are? <laughs> sure. Well, I am not a, uh, a structural engineer, but essentially the ultimate idea of a fire break is that based on the height of the room, there has to be so many of these fire breaks, which is essentially a, a cross beam nailed between each stud in a room to slow the movement of fire across the space. So fire needs air. If you cut that air cavity in half, cross stud, 
you're essentially just giving yourself a few extra amounts of time to, to get out, right? In the early days, they were, hey, we're going to cut this hole in the wall and we're going to cut another hole and you're just going to have to have a drywall or a patch it. And that's it. From a client experience, it's now I got to call these other guys and I got to call a painter and it's it's not fun. I've watched our guys deal with fire breaks like they're cutting through Swiss cheese. Easy. And a good installer is going to know the ways to get these wires run without having to cut all those extra holes. I've done plenty of first floor retros where we've got a room above and I'm telling the client, yeah, you're going to have, uh, I said Swiss cheese earlier, but you're going to have holes all throughout your ceiling. We're going to Swiss cheese your ceiling. We're going to come through and you're going to have a hole every truss. I, I go back out the day of the install and they've got all the speakers and they only had to cut one hole. Right. So it, it, having that extra knowledge, it, it, it's important, especially when it comes to running wires, being that it's as difficult as it is. It's not difficult if you want to pay a drywaller to fix all of those holes that somebody else cuts in your ceiling and someone to come out and paint match the, the room again. You can save yourself a lot of time and money by having someone come out and do it the right way. Do you have any good wire run stories? I mean, I know that I kind of rambled on there for a minute. No, you're good, man. And the short answer is I've got two. One, there was a whole home distributed system. Okay, so seven rooms of speakers that were already throughout the house and they were all wired back to these volume controls. But it was back in the day when they ran network wire from the volume control back to a main controller. This went into the client's laundry room. Okay, now for those who are not technical, speaker wire and Cat6 are not the same thing. So <laughs> when I tell you that there's speaker <laughs> wire from the speaker to the volume control and then a really weird fancy volume control takes Ethernet back over to this other location meant that the Ethernet was not usable if the client wanted to update the system, which they did. So that meant that we had to retro seven zones <laughs> mm. of wire all the way back to a new location. To make matters worse... There was no place on the main floor, think about that for a second, where we could put a rack full of gear because the house is not designed for this. So guess where <laughs> we went, Mark? Uh, where? Upstairs. We went upstairs. Okay. So the wire runs went from the first floor volume controls down into the crawl space, came across the house, up a closet, up to an attic space above that closet, across the attic to a centralized location where we put the rack. The guys did it okay. with two access holes in the closet. Wow. <laughs> and so we got the centralized location of all the wiring that we needed. Uh, we don't have any... Uh, questions on you know issues uh, in terms of reliability or things along those lines. It was just it, it it was a sight to behold. Now that being said, it took a week. Like there was a lot of work to be done, and the guys had to do it. And our guys were troopers. They were absolutely fantastic, and they did an amazing job. And that turned out to be a phenomenal system. And it works well, and it's consistent. And the reason why is because the wiring is the way that it needs to be. And then the other one, which I'll mention very very briefly, there was a gentleman who wanted to do. Uh, an in-ceiling surround sound system in a Nashville high-rise, third floor up at the very top, and he had a flat roof. So there was no attic mm. space. <laughs> <laughs> so to make a long story short, the guys cut in 
seven speakers, okay, into the ceiling. And the way that they positioned them, they used those holes to run the wire. So that way, when it came back over to the front of the of the room where the television was going to be, you didn't see any access holes because they used the center speaker hole to get around mm. the header, right? And so the way that it worked, and this is why it goes back to, you know, work with your designer, work with your integrator. Let's have that conversation early. If we had not done a center speaker in the ceiling, there would have been no way for us to do that without drywall repair, right? And so this is that combination, uh, that perfect storm of knowing how installation needs to be done, working with the designer to make sure that the product is correct and is going to do what the client wants, achieving the client goals, <laughs> again, personalized <laughs> and specific to him and to his space, right? And that's what the difference is, right? Because the guys came out and they're like, oh, yeah, we know exactly what we're doing. We're going to do this. 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 <laughs> and before you know it, that job was done. I want to say in like a day and a half, two days, something like that. It was a lot of work, but yeah. they got it done and, you know, it, it turned out amazing. It just turned out absolutely wonderful. So what about where you put your gear, Mark? Because that's another part of this. <laughs> Ooh, Centralized equipment is very, very popular nowadays. Nobody wants to go to eight different places around the house or have eight different places around the house for gear to just be laying around furniture. They got to pick to, to hold that equipment. You know, we're centralizing a lot of this stuff in a closet, uh, you know, where an equipment rack is or in a perfect world, a room dedicated for, for all the wiring in the house. Architects, I'm speaking to you. Uh, <laughs> And we're doing a lot of those wire runs if they're not already pre-wired uh, to where we can centralize that equipment. Since I'm bringing up racks, yeah, this is probably another thing that you and I could go blue in the face talking about. Any retailer's website that sells racks, they have two options. They have a, uh, a configured option, which is a pre-configured option, which is going to have a couple of shelves in it, going to have wheels, a door, side panels, things like that. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a generic, here's what most people use type thing. So yes, you can go in there and you can buy it. And you can put your gear in it. You can use your drill to move the shelves up and down with the, you know, putting different rack screws in. But what do the back of those typically look like? Oh, typically, if the customer does it? Yeah. Yeah, not awesome. Right. Your custom installers <laughs> care about what that looks like. Nobody in this industry who is a professional in this industry likes to see wires hanging down messy. We all want it to be neat and clean. And that is what your pro guys do. It's a beautiful thing when you see an equipment rack finished by our team. You turn the thing around and you have every single wire is labeled where not only where it's connecting on one end, but where it connects to on the other side. It's all Velcroed in. You use lacing bars, which those pre-configured options typically don't come with. And not to get too technical, but it's just a bar that goes across the back of the rack before the door goes on that allows you to run a wire along it and Velcro or zip tie, but please don't zip tie, uh, Velcro that wire to it <laughs> and make everything look nice and clean. Cleanliness and neatness is super important. I have clients that literally will take their friends to the rack and show them the back of the rack and be like, look what these people did. It's incredible. I think there was a story that was we were told years ago of 
a job that one of our stores did. The client brought his camping chair in, sat down in front of it, and just watched the lights blink while he drank beer. Yep. Like, <laughs> it's literally a black box with lights on it, but, I mean, you and I have done that, too. We've been, I mean, I've got a thousand pictures in my phone of racks, uh, equipment racks, excuse me. Where the gear lives becomes the central location for any type of troubleshooting or issues that could potentially happen with that system. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it maybe a slightly different way, which is if your equipment rack is not clean and those wires are not labeled, then you are going to be fighting a rat's nest of wires to figure out what's wrong. And that is going to mm -hmm. take you three or four hours to trace down this one wire. And everybody's done this at some point in their lives, I'm sure, where you're like, why is this wire go where? And you're sitting there like there's this big mess and you're going, this is so dumb. Why is it like this? And then to see the other side of that where everything is clean and neat, you're going, oh, my goodness, like that's amazing. So I have to I have to share this story. All right. It's a little bit of a horror story. And so I apologize. If, you know, ahead of time, but I have to. So this is two, three years ago. We go out to a house and the gentleman had spent five figures to put in a four zone distributed control four system. Okay. Ooh. It doesn't work. We're like, what do you mean? It doesn't work. He's, he shows us the quote. He goes, this is all the things that I have, but it doesn't work. And I go, I mean, the gear list looks correct. I mean, I think it should work. I mean, it's it's not exactly how we would have done it, but, you know, in theory, that, yeah. that, that should have been fine. So uh, why don't we come out to the house? We'll come take a look at it. We'll see what's happening. We get there. Mark, this is the most disgusting rat's nest that we had ever seen. It was so bad. The client sued the original integrator. <laughs> and won. And won. Not only did he sue, he sued and won. <laughs> That's incredible, actually. Because <laughs> you're sitting there going like, well, he connected to them all the right way. And it was like, so part of the, part of the conversation was with the client's lawyer. Okay. And I'm not a legal expert, so don't go too far on, on any of this stuff. But they did a picture of our rack when it was done and a picture of the original integrator's rack when he was done. They were not the same. <laughs> and that was the deciding factor as to why he got all that labor back. So, yeah. That is incredible. Uh, Again, we're not lawyers. This is not legal advice. But, dang, I wish that happened more. <laughs> well, because the point is you're going, I just want to know what's plugged into what. It, yep. It's simple as, right? But it takes so much work and so much time and so much effort to make it clean and to make it perfect and to make it be the thing of beauty that it can be. So, and it goes beyond just racks. Obviously, you can do custom furniture. So, uh, have you ever done a custom rack and furniture? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually funny enough. I was talking to a client about it today that he brought his wife along. And his wife is like, I'm here today for you to convince me as to why my husband should buy this TV today and not wait longer. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I got my work cut out for me. You know, we're talking and I'm like, you know, normally I'm not here in the store. I'm glad I caught you today. Uh, normally I'm out doing this type of design work, you know, and they're like, 
oh, well, maybe you can help us because not only are we buying this TV, but we're actually getting rid of this giant armoire that everything's sitting in and we're doing some custom built-in shelving and I'm going to have a desk that's there too. Um, but my husband wants to have the turntable set outside, but everything else we'd like to kind of have hidden away. But we also want to be able to reach the back of it if we ever wanted to. But the problem is this exterior wall on the other side. I'm like, hey, let's let's look at this. So I pull up some pictures of some racks that we put inside of custom cabinetry Yep. that when it's pushed in, it just looks like a flush mounted rack, but then it's on um, rails, you know, casters or rails or what, depending on whichever one you do that allow you to pull it out and then turn it sideways. And I'm not kidding. I showed you the, the photo of uh, this to them today. And they're like, oh my gosh, look at how that wiring is done. <laughs> <laughs> and the client's like, this is your, you? I'm like, yeah, it's my, my team. My team did this. That's, that's the best thing I've ever seen. So now, you know, we're going to go back out there. They're, they haven't even started. They're just replacing the TV today, but it's on their radar for this fall. So we're going to go out there and do that. But point is, is that, you know, that wasn't necessarily a custom piece of furniture that we built from the ground up but we are customizing that piece of furniture that the client is having built. Uh, there are brands like Salamander that make furniture that can have racks in them and super interesting when we do. Well, and I have in my living room right now a Salamander rack. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, I do too, actually. I, yeah. so it's I say that, I mean, we, bo we both have one. <laughs> so I, I don't know what you're saying. Like, the, the client doesn't always do it, but... I think it's honestly one of the kind of combination of uh, technical furniture and very nice design finds this perfect blend. And so uh, I really do kind of like my Salamander rack, to be honest. I, I, I do too. And, and I'm just going to be honest. I did it as well because I am terrible at wire management myself. I'm not an installer. The rack base place kind of hides some of the messy wiring that's back there. At some point, I will have my team rewire it, but I just change things too often. I'm too dang fickle. One of the other things that I think we need to mention is, and I know that you've done one of these, and I think it's actually on our website, but a custom wall. Can you, you kind of talk to us about that one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we talk about installation and we talk about custom, probably ultimate expression of those two things coming together is where you actually build the room to uh, the exact specifications uh, for the system that you're going to put it in. And this is done all the time in pro audio. Every single person who's ever built a studio uh, knows exactly what it is that I'm talking about. And that could be a video studio or an audio recording studio. It could be all sorts of different things. But the whole point is you actually build the room on well, the AV world. Um, on the residential side, people don't always get a chance to do that. And so when it happens, it's really, really special and very cool. And so uh, we used to have on display from uh, one of our vendors, an acoustic wall. And you see this all the time in dedicated theater rooms. Guys will build out about two feet from an existing wall in order to put all of their equipment and their speakers the screen, whatever it happens to be, all on the front stage or on the front wall. So that way, when it's built out, you can finish it with whatever type of finish that you want. So it looks clean, it looks neat, you don't see any cords, you don't see any wires, because everything's behind this two-foot space. And so we were uh, 
of not just outside of town. We go to this guy's basement and he goes, I want to do this system. And we've got this weird built-in thing and it's limiting the size of the TV because it was designed for an old tube TV to 40 inches. And he goes, I want a 75 inch TV. I was like, (laughs) okay. He's like, I also want to do surround sound. I was like, well, that's not going to fit here either. (laughs) And he goes, I want to be able to uh, control the lights in this room as well. And I'd like to have a fireplace. And all of this, by the way, is on the same wall as a closet that is where they store all of their Christmas decorations. And so his wife comes in and she goes, you are not taking up my closet space. (laughs) So (laughs) I go, okay, no problem. Everybody, we're going to make everybody happy. We're going to frame it out. We're going to go out two feet and we're going to build a spot for the TV and we're going to build a spot for the fireplace and we're going to build a spot for the speakers and we're going to build a spot for the equipment to live on the right side. And the left side is going to be a door that you can still access uh, this closet so you can get to all your Christmas decorations and so on and so forth. And the client did some of the work himself and we did some of the work as well. The best part was the wife's comment. She goes, I didn't lose any space. And her favorite part of the room, it's not the wall. It's not the fact that the door is hidden on the left. It's not the fact that the equipment is hidden behind a hidden door either. Is that when she goes to the back in the closet, and she sees all of the wire management clean and neat. She goes, that was the best thing that I've ever seen. I knew that it was done right when I saw that Velcro and I saw those labels and I saw what it looked like under the hood, so to speak, because it looked yeah. right and it looked clean and it looked neat and it was the way it should be. So, um, and I think it's a popular design, especially for those where, you know, let's be honest, this stuff becomes more of a passion and a hobby, not just a single application i want to put a tv in a living room and there's nothing wrong with that but just to say when you really enjoy it when you really like this stuff and it really becomes you know kind of a a hobby then you know what yeah maybe if you want to do a dedicated room that has some of these really cool features this is the way to do it and to make it awesome so how about you man any uh any crazy uh install stories the project we're, we're working on, I jokingly brought up architects earlier, but, you know, really talking to our project manager yesterday and a, a good install team will have a good project manager that leads them and talking with them and uh, saying, man, in the future, the next client that I work with that's building a house, I'm going to say, we need a rack barn or building separate from the house. You know, kind of like in Jurassic Park where they have that like power station that's out back past yes. the, 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 I said, that's what we need. Minus Velociraptors. But like, <laughs> I need something, something uh, not outside the house, but just some room that is dedicated for these spaces. Because when you talk about centralizing equipment, you've got amplifiers. This project that we're working on right now is 92 speakers three zones are powered off receivers. Everything else is done off of distributed audio amplification. But where do we put this equipment, right? It's what we've been talking about all day. And our guys literally do magic fitting this stuff into some of the spaces that we've been given. The past year and a half, a lot of the new homes, architects are making our centralized spaces smaller and smaller and ends up being a a room off of an attic storage space or or just a, a random little 
through space that they put another half wall in to slide a uh, rack into. And our guys just do magic with that stuff. You know, they take it from what if I had to do that, I'd be looking at it and being like, man, I quit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And just just today I walked or yesterday I walked back out there and just after a day of progress, saw all, all the wires were already labeled. Everything was in the spot that it needed to be. And it's we've got some equipment actually mounted to the wall on the rear of the, the room with these custom rack shelves that actually mount to the wall so we can have some of the equipment mounted behind the racks that doesn't need to be accessible. So we don't use unnecessary space in the rack itself. We couldn't do the largest rack we wanted to, because, so we had to do a slim series rack in order to do this. Just the magic that they do, man, it's, it's, uh, we're spoiled when it comes to, to what we do. And I'm super thankful for the, the guys that we have working for us that do the work that we do. I, I agree a thousand percent. And there is something that my dad told me before we started. And I told him that I got this job and, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. And he looked at me and he goes, you need to take a look at who your installation team is. And he was, and he said it right away. He goes, if you have a good installation yep. team, you'll do very well, right? And if you don't have a good installation team, then no matter how good you are yep. as a designer, it doesn't matter. If the guys yep. don't bring it to yep. life, it, it was all for nothing, right? Especially in some of those uh, early years, those guys mm-hmm. provided, quite honestly, for uh, my family. And the work that they do means the world to me because that's how we make a living, right? So, yep, yep. The house that I live in today, the the vehicle that I drive, I would not be where I am now without the, those guys literally painting the physical picture that I try to, to imagine for the client. And also really good installers have to deal with us a lot. <laughs> and the ones that do are you know, the best, I mean, cause we're not easy to deal with. We ask a lot of questions and we ask them to do things that if we went to that brother-in-law or your neighbor and said, Hey man, can you run seven zones of audio? I just bought this Sono system or this Savant system. Can you help me run these speaker wires? So I don't have to do it by myself. And again, I would, I would not even know where to start. I cannot say it enough how thankful I am for where they've allowed me to get. And I'm sorry that you have to deal with me. Yeah. well then uh, i guess we'll we'll, uh, finish up with this which is project management uh is uh a field unto itself and in the low voltage and av world it's no different than any of the other skilled trades and i guess this is the last thing that i would finish with is that they are skilled trades they are just as highly sought after roles as uh, some of the others and i think that there's a uh national or subconscious, maybe unconscious even, bias against some of the trades. The best folks do the the work that uh, that brings everything to life. And mm-hmm. project managers uh, have to manage all of those things. And um, they double check our work. They double check the work of the guys. They make sure that technical questions are answered. Um, this is highly specialized equipment. And if you don't know what it does and what it's supposed to do and how it's supposed to do it, and that's where those horror stories come from, guys who just, they don't know, um, and they mm-hmm. don't have any support if they don't know. And so we are so, so, so blessed 
to have amazing project managers who can support us, support clients, support their install teams. Every year we could double their salary and it would never be enough. And I agree. It just wouldn't be. I mean, for, for what it is that they're able to do um, and for the client experiences that they're able to deliver, it's, it's second to none. So, I mean, our, our project managers, I talk to them more than my own wife. <laughs> I know. And, and I mean, <laughs> me too. You know, when you have a great team, you're spoiled working in this market, the way we have since the pandemic, especially there's a lot of subcontractors that I know a lot of folks out there probably struggling, trying to get certain things done, trying to get some folks to show up and, and our guys show up every day to work and give 110%. And they do that for us and for our project managers. They love the work that they do and they want to, they want to make everybody happy. It's awesome. Well, with that, I would like to say, work with your designer, ask for pictures of work, you know, see uh, what the finished product is going to look like before uh, uh, you choose as you're going through your interview process. If you have install horror stories, we would love to hear about them. If you have install great experiences, we would love to hear about them. But uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been The Sound of Design. With Mark. And Dan. That's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. So, uh, again, like, comment, subscribe, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.